I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability, it's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane, yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man, I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey y'all, my name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Hello, and welcome to Need a Week on You Need Therapy. And if you are sitting there saying, Catherine, what is Need a Week? Need a Week is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And the purpose of this week is to spread awareness and to spread hope, education, and resources to those who are struggling with an eating disorder or those that know somebody who is struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, which is really a lot of people. Now, before we get started, as always, I like to remind people that although I'm a therapist and this podcast is called Uni Therapy, this is not a replacement or substitute for actual therapy or mental health services. However, it is allowed to be a part of your journey that is helpful. And I really hope that specifically today is helpful. And I actually started working on this episode answering a specific question that I had gotten from one of you guys about eating disorders. I was actually going to answer a couple of them and I'm still going to answer those questions. I'm going to save them for couch talks on Wednesday, but I started at the beginning of this and was like introing myself into answering this question and I just went in a whole different direction and I think when that kind of stuff happens, it happens for a reason. So we're just going to go with it. 
I'm going to answer those questions that you guys asked or some of them. I can't do all of them in one Couch Talks episode. But today I want to kind of take the detour that my mind took me because even if it was just me that needed to hear this and get this out, I highly doubt that. But if it was just me, then it's helpful for me and that's okay. But I think if it was getting out of my body for some reason, it was probably because somebody else needed to hear it out there as well. So I have noticed and I've talked about that in the last couple of years from my specific perspective, I want to say this is a fact, but this is from my perspective, there's been a huge rise in education and awareness in eating disorders in general. Now, I say that that's from my perspective because I am immersed in this, so I think I might see more of it than the average person who might not be looking for it sees. However, it's still a big deal and it's something that I've, I'm very grateful for. It's been helpful for me personally. It's been helpful for me professionally. And although it's been helpful, something that has, I think, gotten left in the clouds, like in just the background lately, has been why so many people are making such a big deal out of what now sometimes gets branded as a whole as diet culture. I think some just eating disorder in general things, I don't really know what to call it, like topics, just education, things that are harmful, but things that are helpful. It all gets branded as diet culture. And and some of it is, a lot of it is, but something gets left in in the clouds of like why this is such a big deal when people are talking about diet culture. And I think sometimes because of that, that conversation gets a little tired and gets a little frustrating and also gets a little off course. And I wanna bring it back on course. So the best known environmental contributor to the development of eating disorders. The best known that that we have right now is the cultural idealization of thinness or this ideal body that we put out there as a culture collectively. Therefore, because of that, one thing that we know to be true is that the continuation of diet culture and the popularity of kind of what it entails is one of the largest contributors to what is the second deadliest mental health disorder, which is pretty wild. Eating disorders are the second deadliest mental health disorder or illness, whatever you want to call it, right under opioid addiction, which is shocking and also not shocking at the same time. And when I say eating disorders, I mean all of them, not just the restrictive type where we're under eating. Eating disorders are so complex and so many people who experience them, experience them in many different waves and they experience experience them in many different ways. And I think another thing that happens very often in the larger view of eating disorders is they're just seen as this like one kind of thing. And somebody can start out dieting and then they can maybe develop a form of anorexia Um, then they can start purging and that can be through exercise. It can be through vomiting. Then they might start to binge eat. They may flip flop back and forth between all of those things. And I hope you see where I'm going. Like there is 1 million different ways to type one out. Like there's not just one type, so many combinations. And also I think that it's very important to keep men in this conversation. They get left out very often, if not all the time. When it comes to the current research we have on anorexia specifically, they represent, men do, 25%. And the crazy thing about that number is they're also at a higher risk of dying. And that's because 
a lot of them get diagnosed in the later stages because again, men, men are just left out of the conversation and they aren't seen to have eating disorders. How could men have eating disorders? This is a women's thing because this is just about image and women are the only ones that struggle with image and men are not supposed to struggle with image. And so that just leads to a whole nother secretive thing. And so I just thought it's important that as we're talking about this and as we're talking about eating disorders, we're looking at the whole complexity of them and we're looking at the fact that they're not just in one gender, they're in all of them. And again, I think also, like I said, many people visualize anorexia alone when thinking about eating disorders, but why I want to include every type in here is because the other types of eating disorders are often more common and binge eating disorder is actually three times more common three times more common than anorexia and bulimia combined. So you can take those, combine them, and then binge eating disorder is more common of those two put together times three. Binge eating disorder is more common than breast cancer. It's more common than HIV. And it's something that I don't think people realize because binge eating disorder sometimes is seen as a symptom. We look at the symptoms of that rather than we actually see that as a disorder. And to keep with that trend of the men are involved in this conversation, 40% of people that do have binge eating disorder are male. So again, large percentage. Staying with that track of like binge eating disorder, we see the symptoms of a disorder and we kind of categorize that as the issue versus the actual disorder. We're going to stay on that track because three out of 10 individuals looking for weight loss treatments show signs of binge eating disorder. That means that 30% of people who are looking to lose weight are really looking for a cure to a mental health disorder, whether they realize it or not. And this is how I kind of think of that. I like to use metaphors as some of you guys know, and this is kind of like how I see that outside of the eating disorder space. Like this is as if someone who has a brain tumor that is causing them migraines, it's like them looking for migraine medicine, which makes sense at first before you realize that the reason the migraines keep coming back isn't because you're taking the wrong medicine. It's because you have a tumor and migraine medicine doesn't cure tumors, right? Which is no surprise to anybody. The surprise is that you have a tumor and that the migraine was a symptom, not the problem, which brings me back to this diet culture thing. We're treating these eating disorders a mental illness. We're treating those with diets because that's what we're told will help us feel better, much like the migraine medicine will take that headache away. And then what happens is we get surprised when we don't feel better. But the solution to our mental health disorder isn't Weight Watchers, like it can't be Weight Watchers. So it really shouldn't be a surprise that it doesn't work. The surprise should be that the problem isn't your weight, the problem is that you actually have a disease, you have a mental illness, you have a mental health disorder, and we do not look at that as seriously as things like tumors. Now, I also don't think it's very helpful to shame ourselves for doing the things that we thought would help and doing the things that the world told us would help, right? So obviously, if I have a headache, the first thing I'm going to do is not like run to the emergency room, I guess, depending on how bad the headache is. But the first thing I'm going to do is probably take some Advil or take some ibuprofen. So when I realize the migraine is more than I thought, it wouldn't be very helpful. And I probably would never say this in this scenario to, to say like, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you did that. You're so toxic. You're going to cause more people to not go to the doctor when they knew to because you didn't. And you just took that medicine and you minimized this and all that kind of blab. Just like 
it wouldn't be very helpful to look at people who engage in diet culture and say, oh my gosh, you're a horrible, horrible person. How dare you try and feel better by doing something that literally everybody in the world told you to do when you were growing up? Like that just wouldn't be helpful. And also, this is a very interesting statistic. 79% of weight loss program participants reported coping with weight stigma by eating more food. So they reported that a, a large coping mechanism for them to deal with shame and all the feelings that come with this stigma is a coping mechanism is, is eating more and using food to, to help. So if we shame people for trying to feel better by engaging in some of this stuff, the diet culture stuff, the, the weight loss stuff, then we're setting them up to continue to fail versus, versus opening up a new track that they might be able to succeed on. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if you... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now, very important to note and to remember that eating disorders are not all about what people look like and diet culture is not fully responsible for their existence at all. Saying that I think can really minimize what it is that those who struggle with eating disorders are going through. But it's again, one thing that we know for sure that helps perpetuate the problem and it perpetuates the problem, not just through what we look like because diet culture has now, I mean, it's not just about image. It's about what we view as health or healthy, what we view as good for us. Like it's, it's really spanned across a lot of different areas. Now it's not just about getting our body Body to look a certain way. And like I said, it's one of the things we know that perpetuates the problem. And part of the reason it perpetuates it is because it's postured as a solution to a problem that is actually maybe just a symptom. So I'm going to explain this because sometimes all of these words are hard for me to really understand, even those are simple words, right? But what does that really mean that it's postured as a solution to a problem that's actually a symptom? What does that mean? Okay, we're going to break it down. If I think I have a weight problem, Diet culture might say the solution would be to lose weight, then we'll take care of that weight problem, okay? If I have, let's say, a low self-esteem problem, diet culture might say, solution, get this procedure done, add some hair extensions, you're going to feel better, let's go. If I don't think I'm lovable, diet culture might say, solution, do this 90-day program, get the body that men want, and then you're going to find love. If I'm afraid of being a bad mom, diet culture might say, oh, solution, you're scared of that? Well, do this. Use all these products in your home. Make, make sure your kids only eat organic food that you make at home by yourself with all organic products and avoid gluten at all costs. Okay, so we have some problems labeled as weight, low self-esteem, I think I'm unlovable, and fear of getting my kids sick, or something along those lines. But imagine that those were not the problem, and those were symptoms of an actual problem. If I only treated and paid attention to the initial things that clients brought to me in intake sessions, I might alleviate some of those things for a second, but then something else would pop up or those issues would eventually come back in some form or fashion. For example, a client might come to me looking for help because he keeps losing his temper with his wife. Well, the problem might not be that he is yelling at his wife. That's a symptom of the problem, sure, and it's something that we don't want to keep happening. But a deeper issue may be that he has trauma from his past that results in a lack of emotional regulation. So. What we don't want to do is just stop him from yelling at his wife. We want to teach him how to regulate his emotions, right? Not being able to regulate, regulate your emotions is, results in having anger outbursts. And even underneath that, there's a reason that somebody might not be able to regulate their emotions. If we don't pay attention to that, maybe we don't heal the wound, the actual wound that taught him to respond to a lack of let's say control with power. And then maybe we get rid of this yelling at his wife, but if that's if we just focus on that symptom, then he might find a different way to cope with his fear of not being in control. And that can come in a whole different ways of manipulation and stuff like that. And I want you to keep in mind as I'm talking about that situation that I literally just made up and I'm talking about the ones the the four problems that I talked about earlier, I am kind of making this up. And so there could be a billion different variations of this. There could be a, a billion different roots and real problems that are attached to these symptoms that I'm talking about. So let's go back. Weight. I said, okay, we might look at weight as a problem, but 
let's see if maybe it's something else and that's just a symptom. Like maybe you grew up in a traumatic environment and food was something that you could turn to to experience pleasure and you learned to cope with fear and discomfort with food. So losing weight, right, going on Weight Watchers, that's not going to heal my trauma and teach me how to process emotions. The problem isn't my weight and going on a diet will probably be pretty difficult if I then will lose my coping mechanism and I don't actually know that that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have some other symptom pop up. So the other one was low self-esteem. Maybe I've experienced workplace trauma where I was constantly rewarded for my appearance versus my actual intelligence and competence. And I've grown to believe that it's the only way to be valued as a professional. So if I were to just like get plastic surgery and hair extensions and all of that to boost my self-esteem so I feel better about the way I look, that's not going to help me realize that I'm actually more than my body. And it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a cut, right? It's like putting a Band-Aid on a cut that actually needs stitches. And maybe you can't see the blood anymore if I put a Band-Aid on it, but the wound is probably getting worse under there because I really need stitches because the Band-Aid is just covering up a symptom of the actual problem. The blood is a symptom of the fact that like I have this huge gash on my leg that needs to be like sewn up. So, and then we had the, I think I'm unlovable. So if that's actually a symptom and not the problem, maybe I grew up with, let's say a narcissistic mother who constantly praised me when I didn't finish meals and would berate me if I couldn't fit into a certain clothing size or something like that. So obtaining the ideal body isn't going to teach me that my mom was projecting her insecurity on me. It's not going to teach me that like I'm okay and that my appearance does not dictate whether or not I am good or bad. It's going to either solidify and kind of like teach me that she was right or it's just going to like deepen this wound in a whole different way because let's say I do the things and I have the body that my mom wants, always wanted me to have and then I still don't have the relationships I want, whether that's friendships or romantic relationships because I might be so focused on getting that body, I don't even have time for it. So when it comes down to it, what is it that we are all really looking for? I personally believe that it all boils down to connection. We want to belong. Belonging feels really good. We want to be loved. And well, one way to do that per diet culture is to look the part, whether that is our outside appearance or our portrayal of the in quotes, right or good living habits and behaviors that they are promoting at that time. The thing that we're striving for, the thing that diet culture tells us will give us the feeling that we're all looking for often doesn't really exist in real life. It's a fabricated thing. And it's created by apps and products and procedures. It's created by snips of someone's life on social media or manufactured through what we're shown versus what's really behind the curtain. It often, I believe, lacks a lot of integrity. What you see in front of the curtain does not match what is behind the curtain. And it's also constantly changing. And now with the rise of anti-diet culture, these anti-diet culture warriors, sometimes it feels like nobody can win. And that's what I really want to highlight today. I started this conversation, you know, talking about, and and we've talked about how diet cultures can promote eating disorders. We know that. And right now, 
it feels like either side we can't win. We're doing these things that the world says will will give us what we want and then doing those things that the world says will give us what we want. We're now being told those things are bad and we shouldn't do them. But then we're not give, being given a solution. We're not giving another side. And we've, we've created these two polar opposite sides and people I think are running back and forth to each side saying, which one will it be? Which one will it be? I don't know which one it will be. And then we're demonizing the other side. And it's just getting very, very stressful. I think. And we're becoming more divided, which like I said earlier, what we're really looking for is connection. And these two sides are creating more divide, which brings us further and further away from what it is we actually need and what we're looking for while we are attempting to get and go after the thing that we're looking for. So diet culture says, don't eat that, wear this, hate your body until it looks this way, wearing this will make you happy and looking like the celebrity will make you feel better about yourself. Well, anti-diet culture is saying you should rebel. Like that all is wrong. You should love your body at any size, do whatever you want. And the people who are engaging in diet culture are bad, even though that is what society is telling them to do to fit in. Shame on them for not knowing better and for harming everybody by engaging in that and promoting it. So it's kind of like to belong on one side, you need to look like Kim Kardashian and eat this and do this and wear this. But also that's all toxic behavior and bad and shame on Kim Kardashian for doing what the world she grew up in told her to do. And shame on her for using some of those gimmicks that make her look like maybe she doesn't really look like and also shame on you for trying to be like her. You should just love yourself as you are, even though the world is constantly telling you that being different would be better. And being like Kim Kardashian would be better even though that we do know that what she's doing is sometimes not really what we're seeing. This is so confusing. Like, what are we supposed to do? That whole spiel that was, I don't even know what I said. Like saying all of that makes my head spin in circles and I'm wondering, am I making any sense? And I think the answer to that is no, I'm not making any sense. And that's kind of the point that I want to drive home here. It doesn't make any sense. And I think a lot of times for people, this is what the world feels like, but we, we sometimes don't want to admit it because we're supposed to like pick a side um, and we're supposed to be doing this or doing that. So we don't want to admit that we like don't know what we're doing, but we don't know what we're doing because like at one, at one point thin is ideal and then no, 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 it's fit is ideal. And then it's no, no, no. Being strong is ideal. Do what makes your body feel good. But by the way, too much cardio is bad for you. And lifting weights is the best thing you can do for your body. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We've heard that all our lives, but did you know fasting until lunch is better than eating a balanced meal before work? You should probably put butter in your coffee now and and don't use artificial creamers, but remember you should eat and drink foods that bring you joy. I want you to wear whatever you want and whatever you feel comfortable in. But if you don't want to wear a crop top, it's probably because diet culture made you hate your body and you should love your body no matter what it looks like at all times. However, if you love your body, you will not want to eat real ice cream because you can make ice cream out of bananas and ice cream is full of toxins that will cause inflammation. Remember though, you should listen to your body and allow it to have what it craves, except if you crave 
an actual banana. Then you should actually have some nuts because bananas are full of sugar. And when you crave sugar, you're not allowing yourself to listen to the emotional need underneath. So try and go for a walk, but do it because it brings you joy, not because it's good and necessary for your health. Because if you pay attention to your physical health, then you are suppressing what it is you really need underneath and allowing diet culture to manipulate you into a pawn of their multi-billion dollar industry. So rebel against it no matter what and do what makes you happy, except if it has anything to do with what you look like, because you shouldn't care. And if you do care, you're hurting other people and smaller is better, but stronger is better than smaller. Unless stronger means you become smaller, then you should be stronger. And actually, I want you to remember you shouldn't care about anything except what makes you happy. Oh my God. That is, I feel like what I see on social media. I feel like that's what I feel when I go to the grocery store. I feel like that's what I feel when I go to the mall. Anytime I exit my house or have a conversation, I feel like I'm always getting hit with like two sides to every story, but both sides are correct. And it, it is really hard to sit in sometimes. And that that track that we see that we walk through, I think sometimes then becomes a track that runs through um, our brains. And, and it can sound like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I just ignore my body? Am I supposed to eat what I want whenever and then only work out if I feel immense joy? Like, I guess I can't get my hair done or I'm succumbing to the male gaze now, right? Because if I think I'm getting my hair done for myself, I'm probably just brainwashed because I saw someone else with this haircut on Instagram and it had a lot of likes. And should I just also, while I'm out of throw away my makeup. I guess I shouldn't eat kale too because that one wellness influencer that I like found out is toxic, puts it in her smoothies and she's the devil. I heard that she's the devil and she's bad. But what if my dietitian said I need to incorporate more vegetables throughout my meals? Like, wait, does that mean she's also the devil? Do you think she's friends with that influencer? I don't know. All foods are supposed to be equal, but does that mean ice cream is the same as the salad? I don't know. Like, are salads part of diet culture? Does that mean I, I can't eat salad anymore? And, and should I just be eating ice cream? But wait a second, if I eat ice cream every day for lunch, am I going to feel okay? But am I going to just not feel okay because I'm scared of ice cream? And should I challenge myself and do it anyway? Like, I'm nervous about going to this pool party next weekend. And wait a second, I shouldn't be nervous. I'm supposed to be confident and I'm supposed to be comfortable showing off my body. And if I want to change something about my body, then I'm just being toxic. And so, okay, I'm just going to wear this two piece instead of the one piece that I like more. And I'm just going to go and do it anyway, even though I'm uncomfortable. Okay. I think I'm doing it right. Like it's a whole mess. I feel like that becomes the train. We see that first train outside in the world and then that becomes the train that we have in our heads. And it's like, I want to do the right thing and I, I want the solution to my problem, but I can't figure out what the solution to my problem is because all of these solutions are just kind of putting band-aids on my symptoms and then the problem's still there. There has to be another option. There has to be other solutions to the actual problem instead of these band-aids. And and after all, this whole episode that I'm putting out on this specific day is supposed to be spreading hope and it's supposed to be spreading resources and it's supposed to be spreading awareness that there is hope out there for people struggling with any of this stuff. But offering that hope in this area, I think can only come if we really acknowledge that what we are doing right now isn't working very well. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. 
Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This like two-party system when it comes to diet culture and anti-diet culture, it's not working. And I think at a point we needed these warriors to come in. And I will say I was part of that. Like I was part of the like, oh, I want to fight against this toxic energy and this. And I wanted to be part of that. And we needed that to kind of make a splash and get that voice heard. And at this point in the conversation, I think we need some space to realize that there are more than just two options here. There's more to, I mean, think about with our political climate, like there's more beliefs than just left and right. Like a lot of people don't fit in those two extremes and they're just left having to choose a side and maybe that side doesn't fit very well. It doesn't feel very well. And a whole lot of things get left in the dust. And my whole point and what I wanted to offer this week in honor of eating disorder awareness is that we can't look for simple answers that are the same for every single person. We can't do that. Humans are way too nuanced. We're way too complex. And we have to start looking at each other as individuals, like real individuals. And so my hope for anyone that is struggling in 
also struggling to do the right thing to find a way out from whatever place they are, whether it's a place of disordered eating, whether you're in a full-fledged eating disorder, whether you're struggling with your body image. My hope and, and my encouragement is to help other people look within instead of, instead of outward. There you will find that gray area. There you will you will stray. Go instead of black and white, we're going gray. Like we're not all just two colors out here. We're a bunch of different shades. It is there, it is inside. That's where the balance really is. But we have to allow ourselves to look there instead of we're looking outwards and then we're trying to pull that inwards instead of looking inwards. And the more we look for answers about us from groups, the more we're gonna push and pull ourselves away from who we truly are and what we truly need. I think hope is also found in a life that isn't modeled after what is right for the person next to me. It's modeled after a life that is right for my individual self. And that is why therapy can be so tricky sometimes. People want therapists to give them answers. They want right versus wrong. And I don't think we can do that. It's why I have to treat every client differently. And I might give a different response to every single client based on who they are. And I don't know about you guys. It could be just me, but I just feel like we're all on edge right now. I know I can feel that way. And and I know that I have been on both sides of these extremes. I've been part of the thing that I want to encourage people to move away from now, which means I can say I know what it's like on both of these sides. And I know that staying on either one of those sides didn't give me the solution I was looking for. It feels like if you aren't all in, then you're out. And if you're not all out, then you're in. And it doesn't really work that way. I think you can be kind of in and kind of out. You can have kind of like a toe there, a toe there, maybe a heel there. And this is not a conversation about bashing diet culture. And it's not a conversation about bashing the anti-diet culture people out there. Because again, all of that is, I think it's needed. I think in the beginning, the diet culture stuff came with, I think, good intentions. It's been transformed. And I think a lot of money and power has taken a lot of people who initially wanted to help people and kind of change the narrative and and change the motive. And I think at the same time, these anti-diet culture people, most of them came into this realm, including me, when I was out there trying to fight that good fight with good intentions and good motives. And then it kind of has been transform into this power struggle. I think it's it's a power struggle of like who's going to win and like we're all losing. So this isn't about a it isn't a conversation about bashing anybody. It's a, a conversation about how right now we're missing the mark because we're focused on one side or the other versus what actually is working and what's not working. Like I said, what is it that we're really looking for? We're looking for love, we're looking for belonging, we're looking for connection. And the opposite of addiction which I look at eating disorders as addictions, is connection. And if we focused on that, if we really focused on it, this stuff would still be around. I would still have insecurities. People would still have insecurities. I'm not trying to like get rid of those. And that's why I don't believe in this like, you should just love everything about your body and just like, you know, go out there and do whatever and don't care about it. That's not possible. We are not wired that way. We have feelings and we can't just turn on all the good ones. Our insecurities are still gonna be here no matter what we do. But I don't believe we'd be so hyper-focused on fixing the things that we're insecure about if we focused on connection because we would already have the thing that our insecurities previously told us that we couldn't have. Connection, love, belonging. And that is connection with ourselves and connection with other people. So what I want to leave you with today after a lot, all of that 
I want to leave you guys with an encouragement to focus on what you need. And maybe you don't know that yet because you are so confused, right? Focus on finding out more about what you need and finding ways that can help you look within. And you might need a person to help you do that. You might need a therapist to help you do that. You might need a friend or maybe there's a book that can help you do that. But I want to encourage you to focus more on finding out what it is that you need versus doing what it is that these two parties, these extreme parties are telling you to do because it doesn't work the same for all of us. And none of us are going to find that hope. We're not going to find that connection, the real connection, not the manufactured kind by sitting on an extreme and neglecting the voices that are really inside of our body saying, Hey, this is what I want. This is what I need. Or, Hey, this is what I care about. Hey, this is the kind of person I want to be. So I really want to encourage that. So again, Need a Week is all about um, spreading awareness and resources and, and hope. And today I want to focus on spreading hope that it doesn't have to be this way or that way. There's allowed to be an individual way for you. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is, and what I'm not doing is giving permission for you to say, well, this girl cat on this podcast said I can do what feels right to me. And so I'm going to keep engaging in this behavior that is really harmful to me. No, I'm not giving you permission to engage in your eating disorder. I'm not doing that no matter what the behaviors are. I'm giving you permission to identify what the issues are for you versus looking at what Instagram is telling you the issues are and saying, okay, I have to be all over on this and I can never do this ever again the same way at all ever or have to be over here. I am going to get to some of those questions. I think I'm going to answer three of them. I'll try to do three. I might just get to two on Wednesday for couch talks, but I hope this was helpful. And, and again, I, I wish I could count. I wish I w- would have said in the beginning of this, we should do a drinking game of like, take a sip of your water or whatever is in front of you every time I said hope during this podcast, because I think I said a lot. But again, I hope this was helpful. And I hope that it starts some dialogue within yourself. It starts some dialogue within maybe your therapist and you, maybe your friends, maybe colleagues. I know that coming into this knowledge for myself, realizing how crazy we've all become on both sides, how extremist we've come on both sides has helped me have a lot of really good conversations with colleagues in um, the world of eating disorders to say like, hey, I think maybe we're missing the mark here. We're forgetting what it is that we're actually trying to help people do. We're not trying to just like make everybody hate kale and make everybody be able to eat ice cream whenever they want to eat it. We're trying to help people become the versions of themselves that feel most true to them. And I don't get to identify that for anybody else. That is for other people to identify, although I can help them get there. So I think at this point I'm rambling. So I'm going to say, I hope you guys have the need a week you need to have, the day you need to have, the moment you need to have. Again, I'll be back on cou- with Couch Shocks on Wednesday. If you have questions, feedback, anything, you can e- email me, Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at uni therapy podcast and you can follow me on instagram at at cat.defada i will talk to you guys on wednesday for couch talks i used to have so many men 
how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes nearly 10 million dollars was all gone it's just unbelievable hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.